to the Pitched Industries podcast. Hey guys, what's going on and welcome back to another episode of the Pitched Industries podcast. My name's Nick White and today I'm extremely excited to share a conversation I had with designer Brian Steely. Brian is an incredible designer and probably the foremost authority when it comes to monoline structures or line art. His timeless style has led him to work with brands like Nike, Element, Mumford & Sons, Monster Children and so many others. On this episode, Brian gives a heap of helpful advice for aspiring designers and creatives. He also talks about how he has gotten to where he is today, as well as his design philosophy and so much more. I'm sure you guys are going to get a heap out of today's episode with Brian, so let's get straight into it. Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for having me. There's so much I want to talk with you about today, but before we jump into that, tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe what made you want to become a designer in the first place. Sure. Went to college, um, having no clue what I wanted to do with my life, uh, like most people. And I, when I was in college, I was doing gig posters, and I just kind of got into more into the route of like an English major, yep. you know, reading a lot, and uh, kind of got pushed away from art a little bit not from my parents but just from I, th- I think just growing up I, art was not a huge huge thing and I didn't know what I didn't even know what graphic design was when I was in college so I got out of school still had no idea what I wanted to do um, but started this job at a public relations firm and uh, about that time their graphic designer was leaving and they're like yeah you, you can draw really well why don't you be our graphic designer um, and I looked at him and I said, you know, I don't think that's really how it works. Um, I think I need to go to school for that. So for the next couple of years, I was in school and um, working, I guess, probably 30 hours a week at the agency and uh, sleeping wow. a lot on the floor in my office and just trying to figure things out. It was a, probably the toughest two years of my life, just trying to, that at the uh, design school, they're like, don't have a job if you're going to go to the school. It's just, you can't do both. And I'm like, well, I can't pay for this school yeah, <laughs> and, um, and, you know, and, and not have a job. So I did both. I didn't sleep very much, but that's the way it goes. Yeah, absolutely. So that, I just landed myself. I kind of just went from there and just have been teaching my, ever since I've been just teaching myself as I go. And, you know, at the time our agency was uh, nine people. I was a ninth hire. And now we've got, I think 160 working here and we've got uh, 27, 28 creatives wow. on our team. So Wow, that's incredible. So after they offered you the job formally, did you then go to school and then come back to the same agency after? I did. I stayed at the agency. The agency has grown. Like I said, they we started off with, you know, I was a ninth hire. So I feel like I've worked at like eight different agencies along the way. We've moved uh, six different times and we've just, you know, we've, we, we stayed at like you know, 17 for a long time and we shot up to 36 and we stayed there for a long time. You know, so I've just kind of watched the growth and it's it's felt like a different agency every every move. So, you know, I haven't had the desire to leave. I started Steelyworks like a year and a half ago. So Steelyworks is under Jackson Spalding. So it's like my own boutique agency within the agency. So it's, it's like having being out on your own with a safety net, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to talk a little bit about Steelyworks, but where do you draw your main inspiration from with your design? completely honestly everywhere i mean everything 
I just keep my eyes wide open when I'm awake and I look at everything from a corner of a car design to a corner of a building to, a, you know, to looking at dribble in the morning to looking at Instagram all day to, you know, it's just, there's inspiration everywhere. Uh, yeah. I find a lot of it, a lot of it in nature. I like to go out and just be in the woods. You know, I love animals. So it's just everywhere. And uh, it'd be, it'd be weird for me to say I get it from one place. Regarding your style, I'd just like to talk a little bit about your design philosophy. How do you approach your designing work? It's the first time anybody's asked me about my design philosophy, so that's kind of cool. For my design philosophy, I'd say I like to keep it simple and um, eliminate all the clutter. You know, strip the strip it down to like its bare basics uh, to its core. I think that that allows the mark to become timeless. And I'm, when I say this, I'm referring to my logo design. You know, sometimes you'll have a client that won't allow you to do that. But in my ideal world, that's my philosophy on, on doing things. It's just like just stripping it down to its bare basics. Um, and then I think you get this timeless mark. And it's timeless because I don't think it's influenced by trend when you've got it stripped down to that bare basics. So yeah. that's what I like to do. Do I always do that? Hell no. So it's just, you know, you're controlled a lot by client. You're controlled a lot by like, uh, you know, the design brief. So it's, that's what I like to do. Though. That's, that's my philosophy, I guess. Knowing what you know now as a designer, what would be a few things that you would like to have told your 18 year old self? Well, like I said, I'm like, when I was 18, I didn't even know that graphic design existed. Yeah. I guess my naivety would be like one thing that I'd like to, I mean, I wish I was more exposed to what I could do with an art career, because I don't think that when I was in school, you weren't pushed in that direction. And I, I, I wish that I could go back and say, hey, stick with the art side of things. You'll figure it out and, you know, move away from the, the English major that like really got me absolutely nowhere, to be honest. Um, yeah. Just kind of steered me to this agency, which ended up getting me my design job. So I guess everything happens for a reason. But, um, I, you know, I tell any kid out there, I'm like, you know, we're, we start off and we're so, so creative uh, as children. And then roadblocks are put in front of us and we're like steered in these directions without even knowing it. And people don't respect the arts like they should, I don't think. And they don't teach children the way they should to take art seriously. And, um, you know, if, if we did, we'd have a lot better artists. And I'm just saying that that's here in the States. I don't know how it is around the world, but, um, yeah. You know, I think that, I think that we need to put much more emphasis on art than we do. You said that people don't respect art in the way they should. What did you mean by that? I mean, I, I don't mean like uh, like art is you know in museums and stuff, but I mean art like in school. Uh, I don't feel like in in um, schools in the states. I don't think, at least when I was in school, art wasn't taking taken as seriously as say English or math. Those were the big subjects, and then you had your art class, which was you know, you get an A in the art class. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't think it was taken as seriously as it should have been. Yeah. So what do you feel led you into your English major? Or are you going down that path in the first place? Uh, just another creative outlet. I was into creative writing. Um, so I was writing short stories, poetry, that kind of thing. I was, I was a voracious reader at that point. I read all the time. I just couldn't put down books. Um, now, if you ask me what the last book I read, I probably can't tell you. I mean, I read a lot still. It's just not in book form anymore. It's, you know, an article here, an article there. So it's funny how I've changed over the years. I'd like to move on now and ask a question regarding clients. Who would be your dream client? 
That's a that's kind of a trick question for me. I, I would say I'd love to do a badge for a car. Yeah. Um, but knowing what I know and being in the industry, as long as I've been in the industry, it would be a pain in the ass to do a, a badge for a company. Just the, all the, the back and forth and the, you know, I feel like it wouldn't end up being what I wanted it to be in the end just because of, you know, how many people you have to deal with when you're doing something of that, of that caliber. Yeah. Um, so that would be my dream job still, but I, I don't know. I, I, I say that reluctantly. Um, I, I love doing, I still love designing skateboard decks. I think that's like, I grew up skating and I, I just have a love for that. It's like a boyhood dream to get to design a skateboard. So, you know, like the small, it doesn't matter how small the job is for me. It's, um, it's just, it's more about the art and, and just loving what you're doing the whole time. Um, with a lot of those, a lot of those bigger jobs, you start to not to love it as much because you get pushed around a lot. You get, um, a ton of feedback and when the job's done it's not necessarily yours in the end and i feel like that's why i've kind of gone to um my style i don't get pushed around nearly as much as i used to when i was doing just graphic design doing ad campaigns and stuff like that i i have this style so people come to me with an idea and then i help them execute their idea and make it better and so it, it flows a little bit better if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Talking about style, that's something which I feel isn't something that sometimes comes easy to people. How long did it take you to really feel like you developed your own style in your work? It took me a long time. Um, I was probably 15 years into the into designing. And honestly, I was looking for outlets to be more, to bring my art more into the design um, and I'm not, I'm not saying that design's not art, but more of a traditional sense of art. So I was doing like hand lettering for a little while. You know, I wasn't super good at that. So I kind of like morphed and like started doing some this il- more illustration work. And then I found I've never considered myself a great illustrator. So, you know, I'm like, I can do this monoline style and it's simple and I love it. I'm like really having fun. So I started just doing it on my own time. I mean, people started asking if they could buy my the pieces I was doing and I was like well that's cool and weird at the same time I'm like you know so I I I just started started developing from there um and I had like you know monster children reached out to me element reached out to me I'm like okay well this is going somewhere yeah so I really started to work on it and hone it um and it's you know as simple as it is it's still complex because there's there's a lot of things that go into it and I honestly, since that day, I've just been trying to evolve it and, and, and do different things with it as I go along. I, I feel like the style is timeless because it's kind of got that look of the past, but it yeah. also has, you know, a look of the future too. It just depends. And, and that, that's, that's really cool to me to see that it like, it does have the staying power. And I don't, people call it a trend. Um, sure, maybe a trend, but it's, it's, you know, I've been, doing this trend for like five years now and it's still going strong. What are a few pieces of advice that you would give aspiring designers about developing style? I would say do what you love. Find, and it doesn't even have to be during your day job, but find that outlet that you're good at and that you love and that you can develop and, and, you know, evolve. And then you'll find your style. It's not going to necessarily come in your day-to-day job because you get, pushed in so many directions in that that job especially when you're starting off you're like you know you're doing cleanup work and you're doing 
production work and you're doing everything else but you know you in, in your free time you can really get outside the box and create things even for yourself um which i would start off doing i was just doing it for the love of because i i love what i was doing and it was it felt so much more natural than what i was doing in the office yeah um so i'd say just explore explore as many different styles as you can figure out what works for you and then like own it What's the biggest risk that you feel you've taken as a designer and how did it pay off? I think the risk of when I went to design school and I said, hey, I'm going to give up on this PR thing and I'm going to go where my heart's truly pulling me and I'm going to pay for my parents are like at that point, they're done. They're like, we're not paying for any more school. So I was on my own, you know, without a lot of money. I was living in the basement of this house. Um, with my with my dog and it was it was probably the roughest time of my life but I I knew in my heart that it felt it felt right Um, it felt like a good move it didn't it felt a little risky but it didn't feel like overly risky I'm not a super big risk taker (laughs) I mean I guess it's probably the biggest risk of my career was like hey I'm going this way and not this way and I'm going to make this work. Um, I didn't know how much designers got paid. I didn't really care. I just wanted to do something that I loved and that felt right to me. And I think that if you do something that you love and that feels right to you, it, money doesn't really matter. I mean, it's just make enough to live and you're going to be happy. Yeah. Deciding to quit the safe option to pursue doing what you love full time is probably something that a lot of our listeners would love to do. What would be a few things you would tell people about making that big leap? I think that people these today have shorter attention spans and they want things quicker. Yeah. I would say first thing is be patient. I mean, it's not going to happen overnight unless you get extremely lucky. Uh, we're, we've got this society of like instant gratification and that's just not how it works in the business world. You got to, you got to work and you got to earn, you know, you got to earn your position um, and you got to work to develop your style. It's just, Unless you're just this phenomenal artist that already this is born with it, you know it's it takes time and it takes perseverance for sure. So I would say you know stick with it and keep working at it until you find what's working for you. I mean, it, like I said, it probably took me 13, 14 years or something like that to get this style that I'm in now. And I was all over the place. I was you know doing logos and stuff, but it was um, doing ad campaigns, doing photo shoots, uh, art directing a lot. And I was, none of it was like as fulfilling to me as what I'm doing now because I'm, yeah. I finally found the thing that I love. So I'm like, just stay with it and be patient. And um, I think it will come, but you have to love what you do and you have to be patient. One thing which I've found really interesting and something which I've kind of been asking myself a little regarding being held back by some aspect in your life from really achieving what you want to achieve. What do you feel is holding you back from being the best that you can be? Having to sleep. <laughs> no, seriously, though, uh, time. It's time. It's, uh, it, yeah, you've only got so much time in a day. And, you know, I want to spend time with my kids and I want to spend time with my wife and I want to spend time with my friends. Um, so you kind of have to prioritize what's important to you. And, um, I do the, I do this, you know, family comes first yep. and then, you know, you got that amount of time. So I would say for me, it's time. And I think anybody would say that it's just like, there's not enough time to read everything I want to read, look at everything I want to look at and then still do my work. So I just do the best I can allocating my time and seeing how much, how, how, you know, little sleep I can get by with and, uh, still function like a human. Yeah. And how much sleep is that? 
<laughs> usually six, six hours is a good number for me. Yeah. Um, and do well. I usually, um, I usually get, get a bed around 1130 midnight and I usually get up around six, six thirty, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty fulfilled. And like, I, like I said, I like to think about, I, I'll think about things when I'm going to sleep. And a lot of times, instead of having these dreams where I actually dream up solutions, I actually lay in bed, not able to fall asleep and thinking just about the there, solutions. you know, for hours and yeah, and then can't shut off my brain. So that's the flip side of that. And that, and that happens more than the dreaming solutions, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to jump up and get a couple of Tylenol PM to shut off my brain. You know, that, that happens too. Yeah. So someone as busy as yourself, what are some actual time management strategies that you've sort of learned over the years? I get up early. Um, I get into work early because I'm in Atlanta. Traffic's really bad, so I can save myself good 30 minutes by getting in the office early. Yeah. Then once I get in, once I get into the office early, nobody's here for probably two or three hours. And so everybody likes to come in later. So I can, you know, crank out some serious work without being interrupted. And they say like, I I think something like, or, you know, one hour in the morning is equivalent to three hours in the afternoon because, you know, you get interrupted so much in the afternoon, phone calls and everything and meetings and whatnot. So I'd like to have that big chunk of time in the morning where I can just, just crush some stuff. And I, you know, I'll wake up with some ideas. So I've got something I want to work on usually in the morning, or I'll do some design agreements or something, contracts in the morning, stuff that I don't really want to think about later in the day. Yeah. Um, And then I think it's very, very important, at least it is for me to get out of the office at lunchtime, whether it's like to go for a walk, to go to lunch with friends, just do something that's not looking at your computer screen and talk about something that's not design, you know, just get out there and walk, use those feet a little bit because we spend so much time sitting behind our desk that's killing us. Um, so I'll do that to come back and work, you know, a few more hours. I work till about four thirty, five o'clock and then I leave early because I get in early, go home, spend some time with the family, put the kids to bed. Then I'll do, sometimes I'll do like a couple hours at night. Sometimes I'll just say no computer tonight and just hang out with the wife. Yeah. Um, just depends on the just depends on how much work I got, really. Yeah, that's a very full day. So yeah, weekends are surely that, off. Yeah, the weekends are like I try to I try not to do more than a couple hours a, a day on the weekends of work. So, um, but that's how that's pretty much how my day goes, and I, and I think it works really well. Um, if you can get in the habit of waking up early and starting early, it just it makes a difference. Yeah, the idea of waking up early and finishing early is something I've always wanted to be able to do and it's something which I'm trying to learn currently. But I mean, for now, it's really hard for me. I mean, I'm a slow mover in the morning. Yeah, it's funny. Um, the, way, the way I came about that was I have my, bo- like my first boss and a mentor of mine used to have an office right next to mine. And I'm like, he was an early morning guy. I was not an early morning guy at this point, but I'm like, I am going to be in there early as he is and show him that I really care about what I'm doing here. And I care about this job. Yeah. So I just got in the habit of getting up early every day and um, not brown nosing or anything, but just trying to like emulate like what he did to, you know, become successful and just learning from him. Um, yeah. And I, it didn't take me long to get in that flow. And then once I did, I really, I, I have never, I've always been that way. I, I'm going to call myself a morning person and a night person because I, I do like them both. You've obviously got an amazing work ethic and hearing that just then inspires me to really start trying to do things a lot more efficiently and putting in a lot more time than what I am. But where do you feel you got that work ethic from? I would say my dad, just watching him get up every day. He was a um, newspaper reporter 
and he worked at the Atlanta Journal Constitution for 36 years. And just watching him get up every day and go to work and just put in the hours. Um, also, I had a landscape in my summer job. I had I would landscape when I was younger, and I had a landscape boss that was just like he had the work ethic of a you know an ox. He would just go out yeah. every day and work his ass off. And I was just like working, watching, watching, you know, pick mentors, pick people that you look up to and that can teach you something. And obviously my dad, I don't look up to anybody more than my dad. Um, and then having like bosses along the way that aren't, that are more friends than bosses, you know, they're just like telling you things that are helpful because they've lived longer. Listen to them you know, because they've got, they've got, they're wiser than I am. So yeah, I've learned a lot of stuff. by just listening and keep them up, trying to keep my mouth shut. What would be some advice that you would give aspiring creatives about pitching their work to potential clients? Um, that, pitching my work to clients is something I've never been one of the best at. I think that, you know, getting out and meeting as many people as you can, like I'll have lunch with uh, junior designers all the time and just like they pick my brain about different things. And, uh, you know, I'll reach out to other designers as well to try to learn, you know, more about like how they do things. I think it's just the more connected you are with the industry and the more friends you have within the industry will help you learn to deal with clients better because every client, you know, is is different than the next. I I still like get clients that um, are very difficult to deal with. And then I'll get clients that are, I feel like couldn't be any easier to deal with, you know? So it's like, you never know what you're going to get, but you just be prepared, um, do great work and, and be able to back it up um, and then you don't have to worry about the other stuff. It's just, it's going to come and the clients will recognize that you put the time in and you know what you're talking about and um, that'll work the best it can. I mean, you're always going to get that asshole that like is impossible to deal with that it doesn't matter how, what, how good you are at designing, you know, you're going to run circles for a while to get something they like. Yeah, so the idea of having those clients who are really hard to deal with sort of ties into the next thing I wanted to ask you, which was regarding fear of failure. I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there at the moment who have probably had a situation where a client's given them a brief and they really just don't feel confident with their ability to produce the work which the client wants them to produce and who are maybe really feeling quite unconfident with their ability is this something that you've had to get over in the past and if so how did you manage to do it honestly i think for me i don't worry about failure that much i i don't have a problem putting stuff out there in the world that's not perfect i think that's part of being human you're not going to always be perfect so my designs aren't always perfect so i produce a lot of work it's not always perfect and i don't worry about failing you know, earlier in my career, I'd say, yeah, sure. I had my moments where I was, God, I hope this, this ad campaign goes well. Yeah. Um, that kind of thing. But now I'm like, you get it out there and t- take some feedback from people around you. And I always have, I, I, I like to move like a painter. So I've got like, say three or four logo jobs going at one time. If I hit a roadblock with one of them, I just move over to the other one. Um, and work on that and then kind of move back and forth that way. I, I don't ever like, I don't ever feel that design block. I mean, I've, occasionally I'll get it, but um, it doesn't come as frequently. I don't think with, with the way I go about things, if that makes sense. Yeah. I actually read in a past interview you did that you feel like putting the pen down and going back to that problem that you might be facing the next day to be something quite useful. Is this something that you do often? 
Yeah. I mean, if I, if I get to a block or anything like that, I'll stop and just come back. And I have like, you know, I, I dream design, like I'll go to sleep thinking about something and I will dream a solution. And it's, it does just start happening in the last year or so. Wow. And, um, we'll actually wake up and I used to like, um, have a pen and paper by my bed and I'd wake up with a bunch of garbage written down that I tried to write or draw in the dark. So now I have my phone by me and, you know, I'd like literally like a couple of times to come up with solutions in my, in my sleep. It's, it's bizarre. I know, but it's, it's true. Wow, that's incredible. That's that's some skill. <laughs> I don't know if it's a skill. I guess it's just luck. I don't know. Yeah, what's been your most inspiring dream? I just did a poster for Dave Matthews Band. I had to come up with the design pretty quick. They wanted they wanted me to do an animal, and I'm leaning towards an owl. And I've done a ton of owls, so I just started like mapping the thing out in my head, and kind of like could see it in my head when I woke up. I didn't even draw anything on paper. I went straight to the computer and I uh, drew this owl poster. Um, you can see it on my feed. Um, but it's, it's a, it's a horizontal design and it is completely different than, you know, stuff I've done in the past. So it's things like that, um, that I dream about, I guess. Um, it, it doesn't happen all the time. It's happened like maybe two or three times, but yeah, it's, it's kind of cool. The next thing I'd like to discuss with you today is really regarding times when maybe you're feeling very overwhelmed because you've got so much work that you need to get done and also the times where maybe you're feeling uncomfortably slow because you're just not sure what's going to come up in the very near future. What are some techniques that you've learned to get you through both of these different stages in your work? Oh, the nature of the the business. I mean, it ebbs and it flows. I just try to... um, Now I've tried to do a better job of spacing stuff out. Um, You know, you're always going to like hook a bigger fish once in a while that's going to take up time. But then then you're going to have those clients that come or potential clients that come in and sound real interested and just disappear. And it's like, it's just the nature of the business. Yeah. I try to just do what I can do. I mean, you can only do so much during a day and not get overwhelmed. You know, just keep those blinders on and keep focused on what you're working on at the moment and then move. Like I said, I like to try to keep you know, like three pallets going at the same time. So if I get stuck or something like that, I can move to it. Now, if if I get slow and I don't have any work to do, my advantage where I'm at here is that I can go into the agency and just ask for work and do some other work. You know, I can do some design a brochure or, you know, do some billboards or something like that. You know, just trying to stay fresh on the other side of things. I mean, the work that people see me do is mostly my logo and illustration work, monoline style. But um, I do, I can do just about any kind of design work. So I, I try to keep those, you know, hone the other side of things too. So I don't get left in the dark. That's just an advantage I have. But um, when you're slow, you're slow. And you just, I think that's an awesome opportunity to like learn something, take, watch a Skillshare class, you know, read, um, read more about your, your profession, you know, do, um, uh, get your portfolio together. There's a million things that you could do while you're slow. Um, it's just like re- refocusing on something that needs needs work, you know? So uh, there shouldn't be any really idle time, I don't think. It's just there's always something to do, um, if that makes sense. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are probably pretty deep into the slow stage with uh, building up their portfolio. Mm -hmm. What are some base layer skills which you feel design students should really be focusing their time on to maybe stand out when they start trying to pitch their work to clients or agencies? That's a good question. 
you know, I think that it's, it's whatever, whatever field of you're working in. Like if you're doing, uh, um, I'm going to just say if you're doing logos, um, figure out the way that works best for you presenting. There's a million different ways to do it, but go back and study color for a little while. Do just when you, when you're slow, do those things that, um, you need, you, you know what you need, I think as a designer that what you're weak at, just work on those things. Um, and that'll increase that skill. And then you're not, you're not wasting your time when you're slow. Um, just work on skills that are, they're not great at like, um, me and hand lettering, you know, I've been working on that, um, just because I need to get better at it. And when I get slow, I'll try to work on that. some. something you said earlier, which I made a note of was how you spend time when you're slow developing your skills in other areas that interest you. What are some of those areas mm-hmm. that really interest you at the moment? Like I said, hand lettering is one of them. I also like just color study. I'm like, I think you can you you can spend tons of time just learning how to work colors and and make make sure that they everything works out. I do a lot of you know two color jobs, so um, yeah. I always have to go back and you know constantly like look at colors and like see what works well together. So that for me, that's what works. I don't I don't know. Yeah. Um, it just it just really depends on the person i think um there's always something to learn though and you just you know what your weaknesses are so you kind of pick them out so that's what i'm working on now is trying to like fix the things that i'm weak at and right now you know hand lettering is one of them uh I, illustration i need to get better at that so i i'll do um i probably need to take a figure drawing class sometime soon cuz i used to take those all the time yeah and it's just not it's not like riding a bike you need to practice the illustration all the time and um then it comes more naturally like i i get scared when i'm doing a logo and i have to do people in it because i'm I'm horrible at drawing people you know if you ask me to do an animal they're not gonna say that doesn't look like ronnie the owl because you know it it looks like an owl Uh, but you know you're trying to draw a specific person you know that's where i that's where i tend to struggle it's like making somebody look like that person if that makes sense so that's something i need to work on yeah, what is it about drawing people that scares you? Is it and not making it look like them? You know, it's yeah. like uh, like I like I said, it's just, it's it's an art in itself, and it's uh, if you know, an animal is like you know, I can do any animal. You give me any animal, it'll look like that animal, but it's not like specific. You know, you start drawing specific people, and then that's a real art form. So, need to work more on that. So, I'd like to move forward now and talk about the future of logo design is this something which you think of quite regularly and if so does it influence the way that you approach your logo design today yeah definitely um i think that you know as i grew up as a print designer and then print you know apparently it died and like you never nothing ever really dies it's like the pendulum swings back and forth yeah um i think that if you can do if you can design logos and you keep up with it and keep up with the trends and everything you're gonna keep up to, to the future i mean there's no no issues there for me personally i just try to like look at as much design as i can and just try to pinpoint where things are headed and just stay on top of it if you don't stay on top of it you're gonna become a di- dinosaur and you're gonna lose your job and that's just the way it goes with design because there's a a million people out there that want to do design too that are gonna you know put in the hours so put in the hours read about it look into the future and see what the way things are appear to be going and take your best guess at it 
having a narrow vision of where you see your work going as a creative is going to be something which everyone at some stage might find themselves doing, maybe without even realizing it. Is it something which you have found yourself doing in the past or is it something that you actively have to try not to do when you approach creative briefs or talking with clients about potential work? I think honestly, it's, it's, if you love what you do, you're going to keep your, you're, you're going to look at the big picture and you're going to continue to like expand and do things that you don't think you can do. Um, and you, or you think you can do it and you go out and you do it. Um, I, I had points in my career where I was, didn't particularly enjoy what I was doing. So that narrowed my vision of what I thought I could do. That's when I started, um, doing stuff on my own. Cause I'm like, this is not leading me anywhere. This is not fulfilling my, my passion for what I'm doing at all. I need to do something else. And so in my free time, that's when I started doing the monoline style. But yeah, when you, when you, when you start feeling like that, you know, you need a hard reset to like figure out like what it is, what it is you're actually doing. Are you, do you love what you're actually doing? Do you need to do something different? Um, change your ways so that your, your path doesn't narrow down like that. Um, cause that's just the recipe for disaster. Um, and I definitely have, I've felt that a couple of times in my career where it's like, what am I doing? Um, why am I doing this work? It's not fulfilling to me, that kind of thing. I'm sure there's going to be quite a few people out there who are very interested in knowing what sort of equipment you use. Would you be able to share a few pieces of equipment which you use every day that you feel you couldn't live without and maybe even an online resource? I couldn't live without a few things. I couldn't live without, mainly, I couldn't live without Illustrator. And there's several tools in Illustrator that I couldn't live without. There's some other tools that, like social tools that I like, I could live without, but they're very, very helpful. And um, I think that Dribble, um, Instagram, Pinterest, those are all very helpful to me because I can cull down what I'm looking for. I can, I can get inspired. Um, I can get work from, um, which has been nice. I haven't done any kind of promotions for myself since I started Steely Works. It's just the the work comes in from me posting the work on Instagram and Dribble, and it it's just kind of this cool cycle where you don't have to pay to play. It's just like it's just people will contact you because they like your style. And then you get work and then you put it out there again. And then hopefully you get more work and, you know, you just go from there. So, so these social outlets have been tremendous for me with building my business. Um, so I, I would say I couldn't live without them, but I think I can. <laughs> have you ever it tried would, it to? Would be, it, just, it would just be a lot slower. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd have, right. I'd have to come up with another means to get the work, I guess is what I'm saying. All right. Well, I'd like to take this opportunity before we wrap things up today, just to let the audience know, like I always do, that you can find some of Brian's work and links to everything that me and Brian have spoken about today over at pitchedindustries.com. But are there any places where you would like the audience to go to find out more about you and maybe what you have planned for the future? Um, You know, I I don't do a great job updating my website, but I need to do that this quarter. So stay tuned for that. Um, Be putting some new work out there. Um, Instagram's the best place to see me day to day. And this is Brian Steely at Brian Steely. And I, I try to post something once a week to Instagram and, um, tell a little story here and there. Um, so that's probably the best place to keep up with me. 
Yeah. So I'll put all those links in the show notes and up on pitchedindustries.com. But for now, I'd really like to say, Brian, thank you so much for taking the time today to chat with me and providing so much value and interesting insight into what you do. Hey, thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's nice to have people like you that do these things. It's nice to talk. So that's it for today, guys. I really hope that you enjoyed today's episode with Brian Steely. And look, before I let you go today, I'd just like to ask you a quick question, which is, what are the biggest challenges that you guys are currently facing, either as a professional or aspiring creative? Is it not knowing how to do particular things or maybe manage social media accounts or not even knowing where to find paid work in the first place? Let me know by direct messaging me on Instagram at Pitched Industries. I'd love to hear from you guys just so I can start looking for answers to questions or problems that you guys might be currently facing. But for now, guys, I'd just like to say I hope you guys have a great week and I'm looking forward to chatting with you next time. Cheers.